listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. It's going to be very football-centric. As guess what? Week zero of the college football season this weekend. What do we have? Five games or is it six? Let me double-check here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that are at least featuring an FBS team. And that kicks off this weekend. We're going to talk about some NFL, go over a little worst to first in the NFL, a statistic that I bet you didn't know about. We might as well look at it for this year. And also I'm going to talk about the show on Max or HBO or HBO Max, whatever the hell they call themselves now. That's on Sunday nights called Winning Time about the 80s Lakers. I've got some thoughts on that. And we'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's start in the NFL. And here's a statistic that you really need to pay attention to because it's now a pretty large sample size of 20, 2-0, 20 consecutive years. And that is this. Division last place finishers have won the division next year at least once for 20 straight seasons. So someone who finished last in their division in 2022 is going to win their division this year if history repeats itself, which it has for 20 straight seasons. There's been at least one that has done it. So let's go back to the 2022 season and look at the final standings and see who finished last in their division and which one of these has a chance to finish first. AFC East was the Jets. AFC North was the Browns, the South was the Texans, the West was the Broncos. In the NFC, the Commanders finished last in the NFC East. They were 8-8-1. Bears, dead last in the North, 3-14. Falcons, Saints, and Panthers all finished 7-10 in the NFC South, and the Bucks won the division at 8-9. So technically, all three of those would be considered if one of them wins the NFC South this year. That would keep the streak going. And in the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals finished dead last. So I would say right off the bat, I mean, you already know my season, NFL season over under win total, lock of the century, even though there's no such thing as locks in gambling. uh, You know, I really like the New Orleans Saints over nine and a half. I really like their schedule. They don't play any of the top six quarterbacks. And they're in a division that is very, well, not very good. And there's Bryce Young, a rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, a second-year quarterback, and the two-headed non-monster of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And they've got the best quarterback in the division in Derek Carr. So I think they should win 10 games. And, you know, like I said when I told you this last week, it's not like the Saints need to go 12-5 and for you to win your bet. They can still lose seven games this year and win your bet. They just need to go 10-7, and seven. and right now the juice went down a little bit when I told you about it last week. They were 9.5, and, and the over was plus 113. I'm seeing it now at plus 105 or plus 108. It's gone down a little bit, but you're still, you're still not having to lay any juice to bet the Saints over, so get on that this week. We're only two weeks away from NFL season. So I think this streak is going to continue because I think we can all agree the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not winning the NFC South this year. That's just not happening. So if the Panthers, Saints, or Falcons win it, that means for the 21st consecutive year, a team that finished dead last in their division the year before, 
won their division the next year. So I'd say that's your best bet. I'm going to go with the Saints in that division. Is there anyone else that jumps out to you on that list? Can the Jets win the AFC East? Hmm. I know a lot of people are thinking they can. You know, they ended last year losing six in a row. They were seven and four at one point, and then they lost six in a row to end the season, finished seven and ten. The Bills were thirteen and three. I mean, they finished six games behind the Bills. Are the Bills going to win thirteen games this year? Probably not. But when you look at that division, I know a lot of people are high on the Jets. They're watching hard knocks. They're seeing they've got a great three-headed monster in Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, and Garrett Wilson. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge upgrade from what they had on their offense last year. I mean, they were terrible last year, and the reason they lost six games in a row to end the season was they couldn't score. Now you bring in Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, and Garrett Wilson. You had Wilson, but he had no one to throw it to. So, you know, I've I've told you this whole for the last couple of weeks now. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Jets over. Vegas has them at 9.5, so they have to finish 10-7. And, and I've told you, they've had one season over 500 since 2011. So, I mean, they could technically have a season over 500 and you still lose your bet if you bet the over because they could go 9-8 and eight and you're going to lose. <sighs> Ten wins for the Jets seems awfully, awfully... Uh, that seems awfully, awfully hard because I don't really like their schedule off the bat. I mean, look at their first few games, or look at their first, I don't know, seven or eight games. Home against the Bills, at the Cowboys, home against the Patriots, home against the Chiefs, at the Broncos, home against the Eagles, at the Giants, home against the Chargers. And then they go Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. Uh, Those first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, those first eight games, I mean, if they can go four and four, I think six and well, they'd have to go. So they go four and four to eight. They got they they six and three down the stretch is possible. But are they gonna go four and four? I mean, yeah, they've got one, two, three, four. They've got five home games in their first eight, but every single one of them, looking at it now, were against playoff teams from last year, except for the Patriots. They got the Bills at home. Patriots at home, Chiefs at home, Eagles at home. You got, the, you got so you got the two Super Bowl participants. You got them on your home field, but you got them in their first in your first eight games, and you got the Chargers, another playoff team. So, man, that's a tough one. Um, I, I, you know, they still have some tough games on the back end with the Bills and the Dolphins. Obviously, they're divisional games, but. I'm saying their non-divisional games on the back end, on their back nine games, Falcons and Texans and Commanders and Browns. I mean, that definitely helps. Doesn't mean they're going to win all of them, but you could go three and one in those. So it's just tough. I'm I'm not touching the Jets. I, when I've told you last, I said if I had to choose one, I'd lean to the under. I'm just not going to touch it. Personally, I'm not betting it myself. I just don't. It's very hard. It's very hard to know because you're breaking in a new quarterback and a new running back. And Dalvin Cook literally just got there. So I wouldn't pick them to win the division, no. I wouldn't pick them as a last-to-first division winner. Cleveland Browns. 
Seven and ten last year, five games behind the Bengals. I don't see them winning the AFC North. I see them being over five hundred, though. Kind of like the Browns this year. I could see nine and eight. I could maybe see ten and seven. I don't see them winning the division, though. I guess a lot would come down to how bad is Joe Burrow in terms of his injury. How many games is he going to miss? Is he going to be there for week one? And if he is, is it the Joe Burrow that we're used to? I'm not sure. But I wouldn't pick the Browns to win the AFC North. AFC South, the Texans are not going to win the AFC South. I don't think I'm going out on a limb there when I say that. The Denver Broncos possibly winning the AFC West. They're going to be better. Certainly they're going to be better than 5-12. and 12. Sean Payton is taking over. I just, why would you bet against the Kansas City Chiefs who've won the division, I think, five years in a row now? Why, why would you do that? It just doesn't make any sense. By the way, looking at these standings, I mean, I haven't looked at the NFL standings from last year up until right now. The AFC South last year, this is crazy. The Jacksonville Jaguars finished 9-8. and eight. They ended the season winning five in a row. So they were four and eight at one point and then won their last five. The Tennessee Titans finished seven and ten. They ended the season on a seven game losing streak. So they were seven and three and then finished seven and ten. The Indianapolis Colts were four and five and then lost seven in a row to end the season. And they finished four and twelve. Man. I mean, I remember that whole Jaguars Titans battle to the death to the end to win that division, but I totally forgot. I knew the Jaguars ended the season hot. I forgot that Tennessee was 7-3 and three and then lost seven in a row to end the season. Ouch. NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles were winners last year. I don't know if you know the stat. It's very prevalent out here in Dallas Cowboy country. Nobody has won the NFC East in back-to-back years in 18 seasons. So you might as well pencil in the Cowboys, Giants, or Commanders are going to win the NFC East this year, and your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know. I mean, going into last year, I loved the Cowboys under win total. Why? Because they hadn't had back-to-back winning seasons. <laughs> they hadn't had back-to-back winning seasons since their last Super Bowl run. And then they won 12 games again last year. So they've won 12 games the last two years. They're they're 24-10 and 10 in the regular season the last two years. I see the Cowboys probably right around 10-7, and 11-6 again. So And their win total is 10. So I wouldn't. I really wouldn't touch that. NFC North, the Bears, can they go from 3-14 and 14 to winning the division? Probably not. We already talked about the NFC South and then the NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals might be the worst team in the NFL this year, so they're not going to win it. So your best bets are probably going to be in the NFC South. I think the Jets, you never know, could have a chance to turn it around. And, you know, maybe... Maybe the Commanders, only because, I don't know, <laughs> we know they have, it's like the Cowboys, Giants, or Commanders are going to win it because nobody wins the NFC East in back-to-back years. It's been 18 years since it's happened. So I'd go with the Saints. That's what I'm looking at. So, yes, college football is upon us. Week zero this weekend, seven games. Are they good matchups? Nah. I mean, some of the lines are close, but we're not talking any major names outside of two. SC plays this weekend and Notre Dame plays this weekend. Notre Dame is hosting Navy in Ireland. They are 20-point favorites with a total of 50 and a half. 
not really sure I have much of a thought on that game. I know Notre Dame is bringing in probably the top college quarterback transfer this offseason in, in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. I just – Navy has gotten away. They're not running their triple option anymore. They're done. So I just – I have to see this team play before I can make a bet on or against them, you know, because when you've run the same offense under Ken – Let's just call him Coach Ken. I'm going to butcher his last name if I if I uh, try to pronounce it. I don't even know who the new coach is. I just know I remember hearing that Navy is getting away from the triple option. They're going to run a you know a regular offense. But until I see them play, I can't either take twenty with them against Notre Dame or lay twenty with Notre Dame. I I'm staying away from that game. UMass and New Mexico State, you're pretty much a degenerate gambler if you're going to bet UMass and New Mexico State in week zero of college football. Florida International, Louisiana Tech, same thing. Not really a fan of that game. Don't really care. SC, San Jose State, Saturday night at the Coliseum. SC is laying 30 against San Jose State. Remember, San Jose State was decent last year. They lost their head coach to Stanford. They do have a good quarterback in Chevin Cordero. Now, when you look at a 30-point spread like this, you pretty much know that USC is going to be leading by a lot later on in the game. So when you're, if, you're, if you're looking to lay points like this, you kind of have to look at the other team and their quarterback. And I think Chevin Cordero can put up points. Can he score 17 points for San Jose State? Yeah. But I also think USC could easily put up 50. So this line is just about right to me. I could see this being 50 to 21 and being right there on the number or, you know, 54, 17 or, you know, right around that 30 point margin where, you know, San Jose State might be down 34 and they have the ball last. And it's just a matter of do they get a backdoor touchdown? Ohio San Diego State is interesting. Probably the best game. San Diego State is a three-point favorite. If anything, I would lean towards the under on this game, under 49. Remember, college football has changed their clock system. The ball does not, the uh, clock does not stop on first downs anymore in college football. So it'd be interesting to track, at least in the first couple weeks, totals in college football to see if more games are going under or if Vegas did adjust totals on individual games well enough because they know, hey, there's going. I mean, it's not saying there's not going to be a lot of overs. There's still be plenty of overs, but you know, getting a clock stoppage every time you get a first down in college football for however long we've known college football, it's finally changing, and this year, so it'll be interesting. I'm going to keep track of over unders in the first couple weeks. Maybe not so much in the first week. It's only seven games. I'm talking about when there's a full slate of forty to fifty games. See how many are going over versus under. UTEP, Jacksonville State, again, you're degenerate if you bet that game. Hawaii, Vanderbilt. They're, Hawaii is at Vanderbilt. Last year, Vanderbilt started the season in Hawaii and absolutely blew them out. I want to say they won by 40 or 45, and everyone was like, whoa, I didn't even know Vanderbilt could score 45 points. Now Vanderbilt is at home laying 16.5 against Hawaii. I haven't done enough reading on those games just yet, on that particular game just yet, to know where I might be leaning on that. So right now, if I'm touching any one of these games, I'm leaning towards the under in Ohio-San Diego State. 
and maybe even lean towards, if I'm going to take the points, um, Ohio. Now, you know me. If you followed me, I mean, I only started this back in January, so you football season was pretty much, uh, most of it was over. I love doing three-team 10-point teasers. I've been told by many in the Vegas professional handicapping industry, never tease college football. <laughs> but do I listen to them? Of course not. So I think as we get towards the football season, I'm always going to give you a three-team 10-point teaser in college and pro every weekend. And we'll keep track of it. I, you know, I'll look, I'm not here to tell you to bet your mortgage on what I tell you to do. But I like having fun. And it's very tough to bet football games given the lines that we are given by Vegas, because Vegas knows what they're doing. That's why I like to manipulate the line. Ten points in my favor. Now, granted, you have to do it with three different teams, but I would rather do ten-point teasers. I, I know you're not supposed to in college because college is so random, but if I'm looking at a ten-point teaser in college, um, and remember, when you do a ten-point teaser, a lot of the times both sides in the same game can win. You know, Notre Dame laying 20, and the Navy getting 20, that means you can tease Navy up to 30 and Notre Dame down to 10. So Notre Dame wins this game anywhere between 11 and 29 points. If you had either side, you win. So you, if you hear me say like, oh, tease San Jose State up to 40, you could be like, Steve, why wouldn't you tease USC down to 20? I mean, they might both win. I'm just saying. So looking at it right now, I would tease, especially, you know, by, you know I told you that you're not supposed to tease college football games well the other thing is you definitely don't tease college football totals but hey if i like ohio state san diego state going under 49 that means i like them going under 59 so i'll go in my three team 10 point teaser in college football this week i'll go ohio san diego state under 59 i'll tease usc in that crappy defense down to 20 i, I that one makes me a little nervous doesn't mean i want to tease San Jose State up to 40 because I know what USC is going to put up a shit ton of points, but I'll go down to USC uh, minus 20. And for my third team in this uh, three-teamer, um, gosh, I'll go Notre Dame down to 10. So let's do Notre Dame minus 10, USC minus 20, and the under Ohio-San Diego State under 59. There's your three-team 10-point teaser in college football this week. As we get closer to the end of the week, I might even forget. I need to start writing this stuff down because I might forget by Friday to remind you. And finally, I want to talk about a show that's on Sunday nights. I don't know if you've seen it. They had season one last year, and it's called Winning Time, and it's about the 80s Los Angeles Lakers dynasty, Showtime era, so, so to speak. If you know me, I, you know I grew up in Southern California. The Lakers were my team. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, this is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm a, I'm a 10-year-old boy in the mid-'80s, and the Lakers were my life. And I was a big fan, watched all the games, would go to bed listening to Laker games on the radio and listening to Chick Hearn as I lay down my head against the pillow. I mean, I was just a big fan of the Lakers. Obviously, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Byron Scott. I mean, I was Byron Scott was one of my favorite players growing up because that was the position I played. He was the shooting guard. I was a shooting guard in, uh, and when I played basketball. So I was interesting. I was interested in when this series debuted last year and I watched it and now they're in season two, episode three of season two was last night. And they're basically in the early 
uh, 80s, the year after uh, they won the title. And there's something that's, to me, I mean, you, you've heard critics talk about this, and critics and people that have been associated with the Lakers saying this is so exaggerated. Like, this is not even what happened. They're embellishing certain things for television purposes. And that's where it kind of goes wrong for me. I don't hate the series, but it's almost too cartoonish for me. The guy who plays Magic Johnson looks exactly like Magic Johnson. I'll give him that. However, when they do wide shots, he's a little bit overweight for me <laughs> to be playing Magic Johnson. But that's maybe me nitpicking. The show is okay, but I just think I just always have an issue when anything sports related is remade because I want them to stick as close to the details as possible. This is a television show that's cover that's covering a team from 30 years ago and we're seeing scenes of owner Jerry Buss talking to people in his office and I'm just like how do we know that these conversations even happened? Jerry Buss is dead. They couldn't go to him. Could they have asked the other people? I'm sure, but Basically, this is based off a book from one of my favorite authors. I love Jeff Perlman. Jeff Perlman is literally my favorite sports author out there. And this series is based off the book that he wrote about the 80s Lakers dynasty, Showtime. And Jeff Perlman interviewed a ton of people in the Lakers front office, interviewed a ton of the players. But for him to say, and I'm not saying he didn't write the show, other writers wrote the show, I'm just saying that taking his book when he interviewed people for his book and said, oh, yeah, Magic Johnson and Kareem had had a tiff in the locker room. Well, when it's shown in the show, it seems quite exaggerated. And everything seems quite exaggerated. John C. Riley plays a great Jerry Buss. I'll give him that. But the basketball scenes and just the way it's shot, I just it's it's too cartoonish for me. Maybe some of you like it. I don't know. I mean, I th this was my team from the 80s. This was my this is the Lakers. I knew everything about the 80s Lakers. Watched every single one of those games. Watched the playoff games. Would watch the games every night on prime ticket. Like, <laughs> love the Lakers of the 80s. But watching this back, I'm like, okay, you're getting a bunch of people to play Lakers from the 80s, and when you show clips from the games and you and you show footage of them playing. These guys aren't really that good at basketball, and that's why you have to cut a lot of the basketball scenes because these guys aren't basketball players. They're actors you're telling to play Lakers from the 80s. I don't know. Just curious if anybody, what they think of, of winning time. It just seems a little tar too cartoonish and too exaggerated for me, but that you know that's just me. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review as well. Pass this along to your friends. Let them know about it. Might have a sponsor coming up here in a little bit for this podcast, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.